0: there and welcome to another edition of the 1% better podcast with your host Donahue.
1: Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the show of the 1% variety. This one is a really good one and I am biased, so I'll always say that, but I'm looking forward to putting it out. I hope you enjoy it. Just a few quick ones. The episode with Johnny Holland that we released last Friday has been getting really good feedback i say that as well a lot but uh, generally it has and i'm kind of surprised that i normally get good feedback for these episodes people probably just don't take the time to give me negative feedback but i'm open to it anyway the episode with johnny was very well received he came across as a very genuine and honest guy which he seems to be for sure and it gave out a lot of good practical tips and advice around food nutrition and wellness which i hope some of you are applying in your cooking habits and and in your daily routines which kind of brings me to the point of i'd love to get a good insight of how much of the tips that you're taking on board you're actually putting into practice all this stuff takes discipline as i often talk about forming habits takes numbers of weeks some say 21 days some say longer it depends i think everybody's a little bit different but for me when i listen to podcasts unless i actually take notes or write something down shortly afterwards when I something resonates with me thinking that's brilliant, I need to use that. I forget about it and rarely go back. But when I do, I certainly go back with a very much focused mindset of taking notes, writing down what I'm going to do and start practicing it. And again, of course, you probably pick up 10% or less, maybe 1% of these sort of things over time, and they do have an impact. So I guess my question is, how many of you are actually doing that for this podcast? or for any podcast which things work best for you how do you do it moving from passive listening to active listening is difficult that's why i'm putting this show together to see if folks can actually improve and do that so i'd love to hear if uh, if that's working out well for you another quick reminder patreon page so as i said in the introduction episode that you mightn't have heard if you didn't go back and check it out i'm putting content behind the patreon page for those that sign up to it to become a member there's a sort of podcast there around core values which i'm very passionate about I do a lot of that work in coaching check it out it's of value to you i would hope or of worth and i talk about the etymology of values there it's an opportunity for you to donate if you value what i'm doing and if it's something of worth to you okay one of the other things i mentioned a few weeks back when i did the intro show was around doing a live podcast or a live stream through youtube through uh, facebook and advance this a little bit so if you listen to season one episode 14 was with a lady called healthy star Uh, i'll send a link in the show notes for you to to click on to check back on that episode so healthy is a a clear audience and a shaman now don't get put off by the idea of being a shaman but she does psychic readings and life coaching uh, life coaching that is And uh, it was a really great episode. We stayed in touch, and I had reached out to her recently to see if she'd be interested in coming on to do that kind of concept show of having maybe two or three callers dial in that would like to get a reading, a psychic reading done, and we'll record it and put it out. And she's agreed. So I think technically it's probably something I just need to figure out, but I think it's very doable. And. She's on board. So what I'm putting out now is an ask to see if anyone would like to come on to the show, whether I do it actually live or record it live and put it out afterwards still to figure that one out. But if you'd like a reading, come on. We'll obviously get your approval that uh, we can put it out. And Healthy has agreed to do a few of these in a one-off episode. So something different, something a little bit fun Does it fall under 1% better banner? Probably. Hopefully the person coming on goes away more than 1% better. I'd like to give it a shot. So, as I said, if you want to get in touch, drop me an email. It's on the site. And uh, if you're willing to do that, let's have some fun and see how it goes. So, on to this week's episode. It's with Emma O'Toole. So Emma runs her own successful yoga business in Dublin named Cunningly Yoga With Emma, yogawithemma.ie, links in the show notes as well there. And she's been growing this practice over the last seven or eight years. While the conversation talks a lot about yoga towards the end around the practice postures and things you can do to get some benefit from practicing yoga, the core of the conversation really is around the type 1 diabetes disease Or is it a condition? And we go into a little bit of detail around that. Emma has this for over 28 years. She was diagnosed very young in life in secondary school. And as some of you might know, it is a very serious life-threatening condition if not managed properly. Management has got better over the last number of years, but still can be a killer if it's not looked after. I'm saying that because I know, uh, because I'm one as well, Uh, I got diagnosed in my mid-30s and have been managing it quite well since. Emma's story is much more broad and deep because she's had it for nearly 30 years and we go into lots of detail around that. The reason I'm doing it is to raise a bit of awareness, to let people know a little bit more about type 1 versus type 2. I'm sure most people know somebody that has type 1, probably know people that definitely have type 2, but it's just to give a little bit more insight into the condition, that it's one that can be managed, that you can look after it, but it takes discipline, it takes focus. Uh, like a lot of the things I talk about on the show, you do need a little bit of discipline, uh, certainly for this. But Emma's a great advocate of wellness, health, and managing type 1 diabetes tightly, which she has done for so long and a really good story that she has shared on this podcast that I'm I'm really excited about sharing with you. I'm very happy with the way it turned out and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So before I just leave you there, if you're a first time listener, maybe somebody that has worked with Emma, gone to her classes, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Please do follow us on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, sign up for the newsletter on the website even better subscribe on iTunes and even better again tell somebody about it get them on board and and have 50 plus episodes to listen to from the catalogue of season one which will be great hang around till the end of the show there's some call outs there that might be of interest the show notes will be in the episode link uh, with links to Emma's website to contact her and yeah that's me rambling god that's a long intro hopefully it was of interest to you I shall stop talking now and hand you over to the conversation with Emma O'Toole. Enjoy. I'm delighted to introduce today Emma O'Toole, otherwise known as Yoga With Emma. Would uh, would that be uh, another moniker for you?
2: That's another, it's another uh, guise. Yes, it is. Yes.
1: And it's a nice little ring to it as well. So thanks for coming on to the show. So I'll give folks a little bit of background on just how we got connected when I interviewed slash conversed with the tweeting goddess samantha kelly uh, last year god i think it was october time frame and she brought up the topic of type 1 diabetes her daughter has type 1 and it was actually the first time on the whatever 40 or 5 episodes at that stage that it actually came up and uh, and i kind of mentioned also that that i was one it wasn't something i was hiding from from the world per se and um, it just hadn't come up in conversation at all and um we got talking about that and i was thinking like yeah this is something i think we probably should talk a little bit more about because i think one there's probably lack of awareness for people that don't have it really what it's about and two for those maybe that do have it they sometimes may have almost attached a stigma to it or don't want to talk about it or you know potentially could get lots of good learnings or Insights from people that have it and are healthy and strong and you know fighting through it. All that said, she uh, Samantha mentioned mentioned you and uh, then we connected and now we're here. So that's how this all came about. And again, thanks Emma for for coming on. My pleasure. So maybe just let's get into that whole area of type one. Um, what's your type one story? When when did you get diagnosed? Where where did it all begin? I'd love to to hear about that.
2: It was uh it was april of 1990 so it's nearly 30 years now i have it and it was um i had i started in secondary school in that september and then it was coming up to easter and i wasn't feeling particularly well i had this constant thirst right and back then it was you know nobody really kind of understood what the the symptoms were or Mm. how to kind of Oh, that's, oh, that's diabetes because you have this constant thirst and you can't get rid of it. it you know, doctors are kind of overanalyzing it at the time. Right. So I had this constant thirst and between each class, I was trying to feed this thirst that I could not quench. And um, because it was a first year, we did all subjects. So I was in uh, doing home economics. Mm. And we were baking cakes and I was craving sugar. I just kept eating sugar all the time and I lost a lot of weight in a short space of time. So Easter came, it was early April in um, 1990 and the Easter Monday, there's a picture of me in my in mum's my house and we had a Black Forest Gatto. Mm. And I looked, I looked dreadful at the time and I had a fork in my hand ready to dig into the black forest scatio. And it was after that, I felt very, very ill right. um, for a week. Um, so this was probably the worst case scenario for, for many diabetics that if they notice any symptoms. Mm. Um so this doesn't happen to everyone. This just, ha- this is part of my story. Right. Just to get that very clear. Um I couldn't. I just lost all energy. Um, I couldn't keep anything down. Everything was just kind of flowing each which way. Right. Um, so, not to get too, too graphic. <laughs> we leave that one there anyway. We yeah, the, yeah. We'll park that one there. Yeah. Um, so, the doctor just said, look, you'll have to bring her to A&E. So, I was bundled, literally, because I had no energy. I couldn't stand. I was mm. bundled into the back of, of, of a car and brought to A&E. And they said that I had um, a different diagnosis and sent me back home. Wow. And then the next day, um, I fell into, uh, I went into DKA, which is a diabetes ketoacidosis coma. So I was, my sugar level was up, I think there's a record here wow uh, i'm not i'm not going to so I'm this was to, super you know,
1: high sugar levels you were on yeah my yeah.
2: sugar level was 87.5 um now the ranges are usually between five and eight mine was 87 wow so i was practically radioactive Jesus. um I was just the smell of acetone
0: and, and did,
2: i was in a coma yeah, well, for for three days
1: wow like so was that a was that a controlled coma you were in or was it no. oh no, that okay was, no
2: that was a diabetic coma because my sugar level was so high yeah um they gave me iv insulin they gave me four um iv insulins and they gave me six hours in order to get my sugar level down from 87 to 42 Jeez. to see how my body would react to the absorption of insulin because i was deprived of it
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Um, now, thankfully, that happened, and I came out of it, and I was in ICU, and that's when my whole life completely changed. Um, this new lifestyle of mine, which I still lead today, sure. is that I'm diabetic.
1: Wow. That's amazing that even in 1990 that they weren't probably able to, to to connect the dots there of what was happening with the thirst and give you a different diagnosis. Um, yeah and that's not you know it's 30 whatever 28 years ago it's still not that long ago that's mad that the numbers are are, are staggering there again for people as you said that don't know what the the kind of glucose sugar levels should be between between four and seven I think it's what I was told when I got diagnosed. Yeah
2: there's a different range yeah. usually between four and eight or four or you know four and seven you know yeah. it, it, it does range it's not it, it's not an exact science, science. Sure. oh so this person yeah. who is um sitting at the desk and just sitting at you know at the computer their sugar level their range might be between you know six and and, and uh, eight if they have yep. high control but another person that could be more active mm. their sugar level their ranges might be different so it's not sure. it's not set in stone oh this is
1: exactly what it should be oh no what i was even trying to get to there is when when i because i only got diagnosed when i was 35 so i was one of these type ones that have that are seemingly more and more common now this kind of because type one is typically called juvenile diabetes but now there's kind of late onset or, or whatever and i think i was getting blood tests done for a year for a couple of years and it was showing kind of high but not abnormal and that whole hba1c was that even a thing back in the day back then the the whole hba1c it
2: it was yes um it was just because my the the diagnosis wasn't wasn't exact and Mm. this is another thing is because everybody's different you know you had the textbook is um you're constantly passing water you're constantly drinking water you have a test that you can't quench you're losing weight quite a lot uh, you're craving sugar all the time, you're you know, they're they're the textbook yeah. um diagnosis. And um, lack of energy, you know, just no no kind of drive to 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 do anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But there's always other kind of symptoms that would kind of leak in from other diagnoses, and that's where the lines got a little bit blurred. And right. They couldn't say, Oh, is it diabetes or is it something else? So they couldn't give me a clear diagnosis as to what it was right. until they actually checked my blood sugar level which is uh, you know yeah. they didn't you know it was just something that they just didn't do because they just didn't know right and it, um and then they asked a very important question is there a family history of diabetes yes. and as soon as my dad said yes there is and then right. they went ah there mm. you go so that's when okay the penny started. fell
1: the penny fell there yeah cuz I, I think When you said 87 there I was thinking is that a different scale because my highest ever reading when I went in it was funny because when when they diagnosed me that day and we'd get on to you of talking maybe denial I was like no that couldn't be I'm running half marathons I'm I'm fine like you know this whole rejection of it and they said well look just go home tonight and uh, eat as you normally eat but just check your bloods before and after. And I was like, yeah, grand, I'll do that. Checked beforehand, and I was maybe eight or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I had what I would normally have eaten, and I would have been healthy enough, but not maybe as aware of carbs. And I ate my dinner, and then two hours later I checked, and I was like 22, and I was like, okay, that's probably not a good sign. So it started to sink in then. But I think even since then and, you know, when I've ever had – the sense of I need to check my blood and I was super high the highest probably was in the late 20s so you'd certainly have a, a record there I must do some googling to see if if that can be bet 87 or so I, don't, well, I,
2: I really don't know I haven't done any kind of research <laughs> on it I'd be frightened if I see anyone else God the, that, that was in minimal that is in the European minimal scale yeah. I know in the American scale they do it Um, they do it they measured it slightly different to so, do. They, so there you'll probably get oh you know into the thousands if yeah it's, yeah yeah. way level to, to the one that I had. Sure. Um, so I can't remember how they they measure it. Okay. But yeah, that's 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 what I was. So that and was, I'm, and it's lucky as well because even though the the timeline of my diagnosis, there was no there was no damage. I you know they, when I woke up, I couldn't talk. They thought, oh gosh, I'm going to have to learn again how to talk, mm. how to speak, how to do all that kind of. Stuff. Luckily, I didn't need to do that. Okay. Um, so I didn't have any um organ damage the brain still works although questionable at some times um and yeah i'm in and i'm in full fettle i'm i'm working
1: (laughs) brilliant yeah. So, so like well that was you were lucky i suppose coming out of that but but then the realization came in as a just a teenager at that stage this is a the whole kind of life sentence that I have now that I have to manage it how how did you deal with with that in those early stages and develop over time around the diagnosis
2: I went into denial as well I kind of I don't want to do this you know um um why am I different to everyone else why do I have to 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 you know and where I was doing my my um blood testing on my fingers my fingers were just in tatters Mm. my um i would inject into my um leg you know my thighs and my thighs were just so tender and so sore that i actually couldn't find any new spots i could use my because i was just in so much pain and my skin was so tender that i was in tears every time i would have to take my injection or yeah. have to take my blood again it was probably just the the psychology of of what happened to me when I was diagnosed that I don't want that to happen again so I have to yeah. eat all the time and everything was everything was set I had to eat my breakfast at 8 o'clock I had to eat at 11 o'clock I had to eat at 1 o'clock I had to eat at 4 o'clock I had to eat at 6 and yeah. that was my day it was structured it was set and I could there was no movement for me
0: mm. so
2: even if I went out with my friends uh, or went to you know go to 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 meet and meet a mcdonald's or something that i yeah, couldn't yeah. eat because it was wasn't within those time frames mm. and i found that really really hard so technology now in the research in in insulin and diabetes is worlds apart from what it was back in the 90s mm. and the early 2000s yeah so we have much more freedom now and it's brilliant absolutely brilliant
1: yeah that
2: it's 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 come on that
0: far
1: back then how did you you know now when you're pricking your finger and you can get that instant digital reading of of where it's at um was that something you you still had with that technology even there around then or was it more kind of guesswork or how, how did you even get the the reading? it
2: was it was something similar like okay. um the machine that i had you had to wait once you once and you had to use and you had to get an awful lot of of uh, liquid to get onto the strip to try and get the the machine to register it so sometimes okay. you'd have to do it once or twice to mm. get a good average uh or a, a near a near estimate as to what your blood sugar was at that point mm. uh, and then when soon as soon as it uh, uh registered the the blood within the, the strip you'd have to wait about 30 seconds for it to try and give you that reading Right. And even with that reading kind of going, right, I'll register, I'll do it again just to see. Right. Now the technology is you don't need to use as much liquid for the uh the strips mm. and the, the the um reading comes up immediately. If you're a little bit kind of dubious but well, then that kind of uh, uh trepidation or that kind of uh, i'm not sure about that do it again mm. there's no harm in that maybe that was just you know just said in my head that i do it mm. uh twice but normally i wouldn't do it twice i would just do it once because i just trust i trust technology <laughs> now yeah. than i did back then
1: okay yeah i know it's definitely even in the last few years yeah. since i've got it it's obviously combined and that new there's a new kind of patch you can wear for the two weeks where you have the uh the constant reading that you can just scan over. Oh, is that the Libra one? The Libra, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I tried that. There's a little bit of controversy about that, which I won't go into at the minute. Okay. Um. So the Libra is, yeah, you can put that on your arm. Or you can put that anywhere that's, mm. that's easy, contactable. So you put the machine, and that gives you, as you know, Rob, it gives you the reading of what uh, the trajectory of what your sugar level is. Is it going up or is it going down? And yep. how you can treat that forecast. Ah, right. Okay. So that's right. Uh, my sugar levels on the way up. So mm. I'll either take a correction or I'll just leave it as is. I might go for a walk or go for a run or, or whatever. Or you can see the trajectory is on the way down. I'll eat just to see that it stopping me from going uh into into a hypo
1: yeah exactly it's
2: quite clever it's very very clever
1: it is clever and i i've used it i, I got a trial of it late last year and and because i do a lot of running and i'd be out on the roads a good bit or cycling i find it very useful for for that so you can actually just scan the uh the reader across the patch and it gives you that almost real-time um result which p- prevents you from stopping and having to, to prick your fingers and whatnot yeah. but um yeah, obviously it, it's moving forward. Yeah,
2: it, it's, it'll work with some and work with, with others. In what I do at the moment, it won't work for me. And right. I'm not being, you know, being a traditionalist. You know, mm-hmm. what the system that I have is working. It's yeah. not that. It's because um, it's the same. Uh, I, I don't need to use a, an insulin pump because in yoga, you're constantly moving. You're in these kind of yeah. nearly contortionistic poses. Mm. And if you have a machine on, on your hip, Sure it restricts you, oh, and yes. so I do an awful lot of handstands are uh, supported headstands, so where the the monitor is on your upper arm, that puts a little bit more pressure on your arm, and that then again for alignment and getting into the yogic part um, that kind of knocks you out slightly. Uh, for me, that's just my point of view. Mm. People can correct me. That's not. I know. I do know um, a yoga teacher that does use it, and she doesn't find any problem. With it. it does impede her in a tiny way, mm. but um, it just it just wouldn't fit fit for me.
1: Oh yeah, no, that's it's it it is I suppose a preference thing. And if you were managing oh, yeah. your. Your controls well enough anyway. Maybe, you know, it might be more for people that might need that more real time constant checking as well. So, once you you kind of got diagnosed and you came to terms with it, you were coming maybe towards, you know, the end of your teens, going into the kind of whole going out stages where, when I look back, I was lucky, quote unquote, to not have got it till mid 30s when maybe I had my heavy socializing, heavy Irish (laughs) boozing out of the way and it didn't affect my lifestyle as much. Was it something that held you back or uh, you know was there almost a stigma around it even when you when you were growing up then
2: no i did no i i incorporated like i mean every day every there's no to me there's no such thing as normal my normal is different to your normal so i just Mm -hmm. say the usual routine so everyone's day is completely different so if i wake up in the morning and i check my blood i take my insulin i eat and all that kind of stuff where somebody else would just walk up you know have a shower clean their teeth have their breakfast go to work you know that's theirs yeah so i just add something down you would do the same but i would i wouldn't hide the fact that i was diabetic mm. i would let people know i didn't necessarily have to tell them look if i talk a bit weird my sugar level's going a bit low yeah i'm grand i'll look after it yeah i'd kind of make a um a bit of a joke about it um like when i was uh, working and working in an office mm. um if somebody knew uh um, sat beside me, and I just kind of come up to them, quite quietly, say, they are not squeamish or anything." And they go, um, "No." Okay. Why? I said, "All right, no, that's fine."
0: Yeah. And they
2: have this kind of quizzical look on their face. Go, "Why would you ask me a question like that?" Said, "Look, I'm type one diabetic. I'll take my blood, you know, every now and again. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's you won't notice anything, but I have to be very aware of people's um, sensitivities. Sure, because some people." kind of go oh god no god, i don't know how you do that
0: mm. but
2: if i was um in my teens i would always leave if i had to eat i had to, right. I had to walk away from people because uh, i had the syringes at the time yeah. and there was a huge stigmatism once you see those kind of orange caps um you go oh she's a junkie oh, <laughs> this, you know and,
0: yeah, uh, and, yeah, that's yeah. What, and
2: because it was rampant back then yeah. um so i didn't want that stigmatism so i would i would move away, I would either go to the bathroom or just kind of go into a, a closed room or sometimes I even went into my car to mm. um to do my check, and then rejoined and said, Look, I'm going I'll disappear for a minute, I'll be back in a second. I don't even have to tell them anything. But you know, some people might not know, some people do know. I so, said, oh she's died back she'll be back in a second. And the conversation would still flow. Yeah. So there might be a little bit of a a disruption but other than that no.
0: Mm.
2: Nowadays um and again, this is from my own personal view. I've never had any kind of comments made from people in from the public. I know other people have. Mm. I would I would do my blood tests on a uh, in a restaurant. Again, quite discreetly, I would keep kind of everything underneath the, the table. i would have the machine on the on the on the table. Just do it very discreetly and it's done gone, it's literally done in seconds, and I put it away. Yeah. Um now that we have uh i have an insulin pen um so the, the insulin cartridge is in the pen it looks like a normal pen but yeah. when you take off the lid you have the the nib i just dial up inject it into my stomach that's it i don't yeah. you know i don't do it through clothes i do actually lift it up lift up my just the lower part of my top yeah. inject and that's it yeah i know nobody's any the wiser sure and it's this kind of anxiety which you you know people are looking at me. People think I'm going to be junky. That's your your kind. Of, that's <laughs> other people's judgments. That's that you're trying to absorb, which yeah. isn't happening, and that raises your sugar level because adrenaline, um, which I'll get onto a little bit later, um, that that doesn't help your your um, sugar levels. Mm. Um, so. I don't care what people say. People are doing their own thing. They're busy with their own lives. I have to do this. Yeah. If they catch me doing it, that's fine. If they make a comment, that's that's absolutely fine. I can happily explain. Yeah. But it's never got to the point that it has come to somebody saying, how dare you do this in public?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Um, Where I know some people that has happened and mm. it's quite unfair. Um, so I'm, I've been lucky that way
1: right yeah no it's never happened to me and i kind of got so almost comfortable with doing it you just do it in a restaurant as you said yourself and you would almost forget that anyone could take a a strange view on it but i suppose if you were kind of looking sitting from somebody else's perspective and maybe they're older don't understand you're sitting and seeing this person just jab something into their stomach that uh looks like they're taking some drugs but um no no, it's just interesting some people i've talked to never mentioned to me that they were a type one until i came to to the restaurant one night and put put the pen on the table and they said are you a type one i said yeah yeah oh so am i for the last 20 years and i was like why, why don't you talk or you know why not nothing to be ashamed of not your fault yeah. you, you didn't do anything wrong sort of thing you know
2: it's, and it's lovely to have that comfort i was in london and uh, i was doing a, a course in in london and um the instructor there she just had and it's the very it's exactly the same machine as mine and um, the architect expert hers was just splayed out on the on the counter and went Oh, I've that machine. And you Type One dive She just goes, yes, and the conversation then flowed. Yeah. But we were so engrossed in our conversation that we forgot about everyone else. <laughs> but but it's nice that you can actually connect with people. Yeah. And just as we're connecting right now, because we because we can relate to this kind of mm. um different way of how our how our days run that we have this condition and i don't like calling it a disease it just doesn't sound right i've always called it a condition because we didn't contract it it was just that what our bodies had this hereditary dream and then something just triggered and now we have it, and it is just that simple for type one.
0: Yeah,
2: there, it's very different for type two. But it's just we were actually born with this it's a word. Another word I don't like: defect. This kind of yeah. ch- difference, predisposition as, as, to a yeah, really predisposition difference. Yeah, and something very similar. I just got a cold, or you can get a flu, mm. and so, you know, and then the, your body just changes. And that ha- that can happen to any for any kind of autoimmune condition. Yeah, so
1: absolutely, so. No, it's great to hear that insight as well, and um, I suppose we can t- keep touching on it as we keep going through tr- through the the story a little bit. I would say for me, I suppose resilience or being able to bounce back is something that's quite close to me a value. I guess I presume it's something for you that you took this on board and didn't let it get you down, and you kind of bounce back. Would that be fair to say?
2: Very much, um, because again, I would always go back to the very beginning of how this all started for me. So it was like this thing this condition consumed me it mm-hmm. literally did consume it just literally took over uh my body so the mindset that i have now and it still stands to this day and this is how my 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 diabetes is controlled and i have very tight control and mm-hmm. i have done for the last nearly 30 years right. that i control it it does not control me
1: okay and talk to me about how you know how you control it and what uh you know like again for people that don't understand you know you probably have to inject four times a day and you check your bloods maybe eight times a day you can you can obviously talk about but as I kind of think about it and listen to you as yoga comes into the picture or as fitness and wellness comes into the picture you know sometimes I say well if I wasn't I joke that diabetes is the best and most strictest diet yeah. I could ever go on because I don't have the choice and my other choice is not to go on it and potentially die so you know it's just right i have to actually put some structure around this and and in a way i think it's a i don't know if it's a good thing but it, it certainly has uh given me a lot more structure and, and appreciation for what you have as well how has maybe diabetes led you to, to yoga to fitness to wellness to to better diets maybe talk through through that how it all came together um
2: well when i was uh when I was younger, that I couldn't I couldn't do PE because of my sugar levels were just everywhere. And when you're younger, your sugar levels are very hard to regulate because of hormone changes, your body mm-hmm. changes, you're growing, your exams, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, so I did gain a lot of weight because everything was carbs. You right. have to ten grams of carbohydrate, uh, and you have to take a the unit of insulin, ten grams of carbohydrate. So we didn't have ratios back then. Mm. Um, so. And because the fear, I, uh, if I played basketball, or if I played volleyball, or if I ran, if I did anything, my sugar level would fall. Yeah. And it did happen. And um, not that the, the teacher uh, said, look, Emma, you stay in the sideline because of your diabetes. That wasn't the case. I said, look, I don't, f- I w- I don't feel right. And it wasn't just because of my diabetes, it was more of a fear that I couldn't, my diabetes was um, holding me back. Mm -hmm. but then when I left school and I did my leaving cert and I um I did my accountancy courses uh, that sedentary life just didn't sit with me I said I have to do something this can't be this I can't live like this I have to move I have to do something yeah so I joined the gym um to cut a very long story short hated it I wanted to do something that I can do by myself that I can do at home I can in a and if I wanted to go to this class, I would go. Mm-hmm. So I searched for uh, a yoga. I just said yoga. I just thought yoga was just stretching. That could be easy. It'd be great. Oh, gosh, was I wrong, right? right. So yoga is not just stretching. It is working every part of your body. And I knew that if diabetes is going to affect every part of my body, I have to mind every part of my body. And that's how yoga came in for me because it made me very aware of my... Um, my skeleton right. it made me very aware of the muscles it made me very aware of the organs that are surrounding uh, the muscles and how I've just become very aware because I had to be very aware if uh, my sugar level was going to increase um I was getting a I was got I felt that you know I was getting a, a an infection So why right, so how do I do that so I want to, to nip it in the bud now before the cold or the flu or whatever would hit and Yoga makes you very aware of what's happening. So if you have a pain in your arm or your pain in your shoulder, you're gonna go, Oh, I have a pain in my shoulder because I slept awkwardly, or I have a pain in my shoulder because I don't know how it happened. Mm. Where now I understand, well, what did I do beforehand? So you have to kind of think back, oh, I was lifting things awkwardly, or it was a pain in my lower back because I bent down to the dishwasher and I <laughs> and it hurt. Mm. Um how how did that happen? So I'm I'm I I have to kind of take it, you know, work backwards as to what the outcome has is. So I have a sore back, I have a sore shoulder, I have a sore, whatever. Yeah. What ha- what happens lead to lead up to that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where my di- the management of my diabetes is as well. I have this mindset. So if my sugar level is high, how is that? Oh, I... I didn't take enough insulin for that or I didn't work hard enough or I was stressed. Right. So there's always a there's a cause and effect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I've married that off to how my body works in yoga right. and how the awareness and how your your mind can affect your your body and your diabetes control. And this is this is not just for me. This is for everyone. Sure. Everyone has a stressful a stressful life. they're busy lives they're always on the constant go wait doing the next thing next thing next thing so they're always kind of moving forward but when you kind of stop for a little bit and that can be really hard as well just sitting still mm-hmm. to 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 understand so you know how did how how did how did my mind how did they get to this point how did how you know How's my life kind of turned out this way? How is my, how, how have I got diabetes? You know, why, why is, why is life throwing me this, this kind of card, which I can't handle? It's, it's not, it's, it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's a big lifestyle change. And I know, Rob, that you developed it uh, in your mid thirties. Sometimes that can be quite difficult because you've already led the, 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 you know, the, the lifestyle without it. Yep. And then there's people that live it, you know, with it. Mm-hmm but life still goes on you're still living a full life you just have to do something slightly different but with management of exercise and you, the same when you're you're when you had your your dinner there um when you were first diagnosed yeah. your sugar level was 8 and then you took it it was then 20 yeah you knew automatically as soon as like oh yeah that's i think i have diabetes so you you knew the cause because i you're at your dinner yeah. and that that was the that was the effect yeah. Yoga is a very similar and trying to stop repetitive injuries and trying to understand how the body moves without going into the medical, technical stuff, mm. just to embody, just to feel like, right, that doesn't feel right to me. What's going on? So you kind of move things a little bit, just like you would do with your diabetes. If your sugar level is a little bit low or a little bit high, you move things. You change your dose. You change your eating habits. Mm-hmm. It's it's exactly the same in my eyes. Mm.
1: It's a it's a kind of a nice comparison between between the two, and I suppose were you doing that, or did that happen consciously? Did did yoga come along and then you could start seeing? Well, I I manage I manage my body through through yoga. I manage my diabetes through the management. That there's kind of a, a comparison or or a parallel between the two. Did you kind of that consciously it, happen? It, was,
2: it, it happened organically. It okay. didn't. You know, it, it was just. I think the way I managed my diabetes when I was younger until mm. my uh, early teens or early twenties. Sorry. It just kind of, it just kind of, it was seamless. It just, that that management was, you know, was very easy for me to try and do. And mm. I still do to this day.
1: Right. It's like you develop a system almost for, for one thing and it, it can be applied to, to the yoga or to, to others, maybe. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like
2: anything. It's like, you know, it's like any kind of uh, muscle that you exercise. It gets easier when you use it very sim it's very similar when you start to learn how to drive. Mm-hmm. It's very daunting at the very beginning, just yep. as it is you know you're trying to learn everything for your diabetes right I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Mm. but when you start learning how to drive, it becomes subconscious that you just do it, you don't think about it, yeah. and that's how you know your diabetes it just it just, you just you just you just do it you don't think about it, you just have to do it, but right. you don't let it get you down and then with with um with the yoga. Uh, you, you, I, I would practice and I would practice quite a lot and I do a lot of lots of um upper body and lower body um work to try and make sure that everything is kind of even even though um there will be days where my sugar level is just high and I'm just not, I just can't do it. Mm. I will do something. It's not a case that I won't do anything. I will do it, but I'll change it because every day is completely different. It's not like I'm going to do a 10, like 5K run today mm-hmm. and tomorrow I'll do a 10K run. But your sugar level might be very, is very different each day that you'll have to adapt it. Oh, I might only just do, I might only just do three or I might just do a conversational walk, but I'm still doing something
1: yeah it's interesting I, I for january i'm doing a 5k every day kind of challenge for myself and uh we get on to kind of the the the, the uh, in yoga and kind of back exercises i'll probably pick your brain on some of that but yeah, sure. uh, today even some days i do the 5k I check my bloods beforehand they're they're you know they're seven or eight or whatever i come yeah. back and they've gone down a little bit Today yeah. and some days they're, they 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 go up. It's it's kind of random in some yeah. some ways. Like today, I went for the five k before before we talked. they were like seven point five before I went. Came back, they were about twelve. And yeah. it it can be you know just not every day is the same. And I think the important message is that don't take anything for granted. I suppose always check them and and keep on top because. Uh, you know, my biggest fear sometimes is I'm on the motorway from driving from Cork to Dublin mm-hmm. and I've checked the bloods and they're fine before I go. And then they, they go down and I don't have my uh, whatever Dextro energy tablets or Lucozade sweets or whatever uh, close by. So it's it's very important to, to always have yeah. something close by and not always predict with huge comfort that it's going to be like what it's going to be, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm called a sugar lady. Okay. Because my glove compartment is full of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> For reasons, so I have Absolutely. My jelly babies, I have my fruit pasties. I I've, I've just loads of sugar cuz there's no point keeping chocolate in the car cuz yeah. it's just pointless. <laughs> At this time of year it's fine. Summertime. Uh-uh. Yeah. So I always I always have sugar in the car. And I um I used to drink the Lucasade uh when I was uh, younger, but I know now they've changed the the glucose. Uh, mm. Uh, quantity and level so I, I so i stopped doing i stopped drinking the leucosate years before they did many changes i would just eat sugar and then i would have water or a free juice and water because it was affecting my teeth right so i had to try and um uh i had to tr- just try and rinse that out of my mouth and then just make sure that my sugar level is i feel fine when i'm driving but yeah my sugar is just my glove compartment is just full of
1: sweets. <laughs> for <laughs> <Yeah>. medicinal reasons. <laughs> of course, yeah. 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 I, sometimes when I do get a, a bit of a hypo, it's kind of an excuse to just eat loads of jelly babies for a few minutes, which is kind of a little treat in a strange sort of way, but I don't bring it on on purpose, I swear. Um, so, just, so maybe just talk about, I, I was reading a little bit about you, and I know it was around 2011, I think, when you were you, you were working, and a bit of a shocker on, on your job, and I suppose in parallel you were you were developing your yoga practice maybe talk a little bit about that and and how i suppose yoga became a business rather than just a hobby
2: yeah it was i was uh back into i think back in 2011 i was practicing yoga for about five years Mm. um so it was a hobby and i was doing it you know three four times a week Mm. I lost a lot of weight and I've maintained an awful lot of muscle mass and I was still lean and my sugar levels are all fine. So it was a good, it was a nice kind of um, mix to, to incorporate into my life. Then um, 2008 happened. So everything contracted, everything yeah. was, you know, there was redundancy everywhere. There's people losing their jobs all over the place. And so the business that I was working for was not immune. Um, so that was extremely stressful. And uh, my job was, uh, there was three of us on the team and we were going to be reduced down to two. So I had to fight for my job.
0: Mm.
1: So
2: my colleagues became my competition. Not nice. And that dynamic was very hard because we had, like, I mean, there was great banter with with the three of us.
1: Yeah.
2: And because there were three of us, I was the only girl. So I had a little bit more of a fight to say, look, this is my job. I want this job. Mm. I've been doing this for the last you know, 13 years, uh, I just had to create the self-belief that this job is mine. Right. This job is mine. Thankfully, that little kind of fight within me did save me. But redundancies came around again I said, look, I can't go through this again. This is just, you know, this yeah. and this is all I knew. I didn't know anything else. So um, my mom is a life coach.
1: Okay. My,
2: my husband is, is is huge support. Um through all of this so my mom's she she kind of look and i was i was in a state kind of going i can't go through this all again how you know how how is this happening why is this happening to me why is this happening to my department um and then she said look it's not it's not that bad emma look at look at what what you've done over the years Mm -hmm. and look what you're currently doing why don't you turn a hobby into a career because yeah. you have you have you've done the groundwork you've done the foundation work you have that and just build on it mm. and it was just then in in twenty eleven uh so the the first uh, redundancy happened in twenty uh two thousand eight and then um in twenty ten uh yoga teacher training um course just literally appeared, it's like as if it just landed on my, I won't say I landed on my lap, it landed on my my machine, on my laptop.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, at that point, kind of going, right, there it is, the universe has given you a sign, do it. And I did, and I qualified then in 2011, and I started teaching, because I knew that I always wanted to be a teacher. I was a teacher in different guises, so mm-hmm. I knew that if I can, if yoga can help me manage my diabetes, even without telling people that I'm diabetic, um, if it just helps them in a tiny little way, I know I'm doing something right. Yeah. So they can understand how they embody, you know, how, how they how they fit within their body. How the I know I have a few people that are um, actually not very, very many people that are diabetics um, in in my class. They're, some of them are type two, very few are type one. Right. So we're, we're still a minority. Which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people just don't 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 want to mention it. And I don't pick up on that. You know, if they don't want to mention it, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, but my teaching does come from my um the care i have for my diabetes that's that's the way i i share it
1: very good so, so the, there's the different types of yoga i guess from my own perspective i've i've tried it a few times and actually i think for one of the things i plan to challenge myself for in uh next month maybe or march is to to try a bit more certainly try bikram i know that there's only one yeah. or two places down here that do that you do different types. Maybe talk to different ones, and and maybe the benefits of each, or, or is there similar benefits across all of the ones?
2: Yo- yoga's yoga is yoga. You're going to get the benefits regardless of what style of yoga that you do. Um, it's it. The, the, the Bikram is a is a specific hot yoga that's hmm. uh, taught by Chowdhury Bikram. Um, it has to be in uh, a forty-degree room, and yeah. ha- you have to do this specific sequence.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: is that is um, shared with uh, Brickram, and you have to be sh- you have to be trained by Brickram, right? Or a dis- or somebody that's uh, I don't know if they call them disciples. Anyway, <laughs> um, from from the from the uh, the graduates of of the Brickram okay. school, where. Other schools of yoga are not as strict. Mm -hmm. So there's hatha yoga, which is a very, it's a very slow uh, yoga. You're using your breath quite a lot. You're holding the poses maybe, you know, for about 30 seconds and then you move and you can create a flow. Then there's a yin yoga. That's an extremely long um, class because you're holding the poses and you can probably do about four or five poses in an hour or an hour Whoa. and a quarter class. That's it. Because you're holding five. them for so long. Okay, um, And that's to try and get the body to open the ligaments in uh, the hips and the shoulders and the back. Um, and that's how you... An awful lot of, of existing um, uh, yoga practitioners would do yin yoga because if they find that their 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 body just can't open in a specific pose because the ligaments are just not opening for them they can do a yin yoga where you're hanging out in the in one pose for what feels what feels like a fortnight Mm. (laughs) but you're actually in it for about three to four minutes on either side okay and that helps the ligaments to, to open like i mean i i struggle with splits um, not box splits, you know, one leg forward, one leg back. Right. Uh, I could do it on the right side, but can't do it on the left. So I would do yin yoga in order to try and work on my left side and hold longer on the left to let the ligaments open more hmm. so they can try and get equal to the right.
0: Hmm.
1: OK, no, that's interesting. I haven't heard of that one before.
2: With, with, with Bikram, because you're already in the heat, your body's already limber. Okay. Your body's already open. so there is. There, it's not like, oh, you're just super bendy when you're in the heat. Your body is going to stop you. There is going to be a resistance somewhere that your body's kind of going, eh, eh not ready. And it'll, it'll give you that sign, but you won't, don't want the ego to say, oh, you can do this, oh, you can do this, oh, you can do this. Somebody mm. else is doing their, their standing splits, you know, one leg on the floor, one leg in the air, and they're bending down towards their, hand, towards their, their standing leg. And you're kind of going, geez, I can't even get one leg straight. Mm. But... Um, it it is a it is an it is a nice practice, but you have to let the ego steer, stay quiet and let your body open. And guys love Bikram yoga, guys. It's more of a kind of a male thing right. for Bikram than any of the other styles of yoga. Ooh. Even though all styles of yoga started by men, oh, for for boys right.
1: in India. In India, yeah, I, I interviewed a guy last year, and he he had go, gone spent some time in India and did a lot of yoga over there um and i think there's a, a minister for yoga in india isn't there there's like on the government
2: there
1: is, yes a government minister yeah yeah maybe we get leo to uh to bring somebody <laughs> on or, you could put your your name in the hat there uh yeah
2: anything is possible this day <laughs> <laughs>
1: um just on that though and again selfishly here but maybe for anyone else with diabetes that wants to do yoga but um would bikram be more risky for somebody with with type one because of the heat and would that have an impact on sugars coming down faster do you think
2: it will yeah afterwards when i was doing um i did i i've not i've done bikram as a, as a student but i have i have taught i've shared uh, yoga hot yoga so right because i haven't been trained or i don't uh, practice the uh, the bikram uh, style so okay. i don't call it bikram i just call it hot yoga it's just yoga in a hot room so um the other style of yoga that i've done is or i still do is Ashtanga. Ashtanga um, comes from a place, and this is an actual place in India called Mysore. Okay. Um, Yes. So that, he, Padabi Joyce formulated this style of yoga. And it is, it's it's a set sequence that you do all the time, and he does it in different series. An awful lot of people here uh, would do the primary series, because that's the more popular one. And then as you progress, you can go into um, the second series, third series. There are up to six series and not many people go up to up to the sixth. There are very, very few people. So loads of people do the primary and probably stay there. Lots of people then will go into the second series. And then the drop-off is, is the getting into third and fourth. And then the numbers start to dwindle significantly. And then trying to get into the fifth. And then trying to get into the six, your life has to be dedicated to yoga mm. and nothing else because in six series of Ashtanga yoga, you're doing it for practically three and a half hours a session. So, yeah. Okay. So it's 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 a it's a full on kind of thing. So, mm. um, when you're in India, if you want to do all the the the, the um the series, you can do it there. Now I'm. I do teach Ashtanga. I've never been to India, but I have trained and I have practiced and I have I am certified uh to teach Ashtanga yoga. So it's not that uh, the the person that uh, taught me traveled with he trained with uh Badabi Joyce and um he's been practi- and uh, it for like what 40 years. So he right. was doing it in his 20s and he's he travels around the world to to qualify people to share so the message gets out there Mm. so i was lucky enough to get my training here in ireland for that and then my teacher training was hatha again that's there's no rules to that but you still have to stay with the the ashtanga or sorry not the ashtanga the yoga uh, principles it always goes down to the yoga principles no matter what kind of style of yoga it always comes back down to the fundamentals of the yoga practice and if that gets into the philosophy of it and mm. um, now that could be a whole different discussion so i won't i won't i'm just kind of just tapping on to, on, on that door yeah. so there is a strong kind of philosophy with yoga which mm. you know was devised 4000 years ago and it's still very relevant to today but yeah, I'll 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 leave that one there for now. We can come but back yeah, to that one another yeah. time and
1: another episode maybe. Exactly, uh we go yeah. a deep dive in that. And yeah. like I'm fascinated by the correlation or the, the meditative aspects of yoga. Or, or is that a principle of it? Or or where does meditation fit into the, the, the kind of overall well, framework?
2: meditation right you're sitting still and you're breathing okay yeah now you can have music if that's if that is your want you can sit in silence and you can listen to your breath um yoga is a moving meditation so every move that you make you inhale and you exhale but yeah. you're creating movement in that as well
0: mm-hmm.
2: and when when you you know when you take a you know when you when you get a shock you you take this huge breath in yeah. and then when as soon as you sigh you go ah you breathe out because there's a release. And that's that's what yoga is. You're taking not the sharp inhale, but the slow inhale and the slow exhale. And that quietens down the traffic in the mind. That reduces the adrenaline because adrenaline is, getting back to the diabetes, is insulin resistant. That's your fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So you don't want the adrenaline to increase because what you said, sometimes you go out for a run. It'll be, what, seven, come back and it'll be, what, 13? Because mm. your mindset is active
0: mm. and
2: subconsciously adrenaline, your body still thinks it's in danger. So it produces insul- uh, produces adrenaline and there was no insulin to counteract that. So in yoga, that you can that can still happen in yoga. Sometimes my sugar level would be, like I said, it'll be seven when I go in and it'll be 13 when I come out, even mm. though I've done loads of move, But once you actually try and get to the breath and just move, with your breath, inhale, lift your arms up, exhale, bring the arms down. That's when the mind and the body start to talk to each other. And that's where yoga means union. So when the mind and the body are in harmony with each other, that your mind is not triggering anything that it doesn't need to. Anxiety or thoughts, you think that you're in danger, so you, you need to protect yourself. When in this day and age, anxiety is just thoughts. You're thinking of something that hasn't even happened yet, yeah. or you're trying to fix something that's in the past that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. And that's when anxiety comes. Meditation keeps you here, because that's all that matters, is just this moment now, as we're, as we're here, as we're listening, as we're talking. Because what's happened is finished, yeah. and what's in the future hasn't happened yet. So we have this element of control, and yoga just tries to keep you in that moment. Anything that's external to that will happen organically in the future without any force. We always like force outcomes. I have to do this because mm. this is gonna happen. I'm gonna do it, I'm preventing this, because I have to do it to prevent that. Mm. So you're constantly in the future and you're not in the present moment. Now that's really hard, even just for me, cause I like I mean, I've been practicing yoga for 14 years. Mm. Your mind will take over. The ego will will catch you in very sneaky ways to try and create these scenarios in your mind. Um, but once you kind of bring it back, just to now, just even just sitting in the car, if you're sitting in the car, even listening to this, and you're looking at the red light, mm-hmm. just notice the color of the of the red. Notice the color of the the brake lights of the car in front of you, because that's all that matters yeah that's it that's all that matters it's just your awareness of where you are and if you're thinking come on turn green come on come on your your thoughts are in the future yeah you've gone you've gone way ahead so that's where yoga brings the mind quiet and brings the body into stillness or in yoga it brings you into into movement
1: no that's a uh, very true um i talk a good bit about meditation on this show and every guest last last season of But not everyone but a lot of them have some sort of practice or uh, a habit that they're developing i have my own i actually wrote just an an article recently about uh, mindful triggers and i use a hand dryer at work to kind of bring me back into the moment but i also mentioned the red light uh, as well it's funny because they're they're there and they're all around us um, but we're just so kind of caught up in our our heads do you do you have a separate kind of meditation practice that you do outside of your yoga practice for yourself even? Or?
2: I do, yeah. I, I, I need uh, I need guidance because my mind does go wandering. So mm-hmm. I need to kind of bring it in. So I use an app oh, uh, yeah. on my phone right? called Calm. There's yep. other apps out there. I know Headspace is, is a very popular one. Yep. I used that before. So this one kind of works well with me because there's different kinds of of stars of yoga there's you know um uh, not stars of, of meditation you yeah. know days for you know for breathing days of calm uh, to get restful sleep so i do the ones for staying calm and i do suffer from anxiety so i need to kind of ho- rein that in and just sit and just listen mm. uh, again it's always connecting with the breath it's always 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 connecting so that's that's what i do and then I do my my um yoga practice. I can't sit still. nobody can actually sit still because we were all born to move anyway, so I need to move all the time. so I find my meditation in my yoga practice actually sitting still, I find really hard hmm. so i need I need help with that, so that's why I use the app
1: okay yeah, definitely um it's good to to have an app or or i use youtube a good bit there's lots There's so much there it's just oh there's kind of... so
2: many there's so much out there you're like you're lit you are spoiled for choice yeah but use everything Use just use what works exactly for you
1: yeah yeah um sleep is kind of a question i like to ask as we're kind of moving through stuff and and just this probably is unique to me and talking to you around the diabetes what i've noticed over the last few years if i if i take too much insulin before i go to bed or my late evening meal and i wake up uh so like i love sleep and uh (laughs) but sometimes when i am gone low and the whole hypo scenario kicks in uh, for the first few times it happened to me i'd wake up in the middle of the night or two or three o'clock in the morning and with this after having this most vivid unbelievable dream that i've could just not explain and and I remember the first couple of times it was like what the hell was that like and then a few seconds later i start feel the tingling that as yeah. a type one you might get when you go below four if you're of good sensitivity and it says, shit I, I need to uh to take some jellies here and after a few times this happened over a couple of years then i started linking them together so now when i wake up after that mad dream i just know instantly i'm 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 gone a bit lower close to it so uh, the body is an amazing thing the way it can actually yeah create that in your mind and and tell you get wake up and uh, get some sugar into you but but it does kind of disrupt the sleep part part one i suppose do you, do you get similar stuff if you ever go low and and two what's what's your kind of sleeping patterns like
2: yeah look i'm the same i i hate disruptive sleep i have to sleep continuously in order for my day to to be functional if there's any kind of disruption i have to kind of if there's any kind of triggers or something like that that'll that i'm not to shout at anyone kind of go no emma that's not their fault that's yours be quiet (laughs) so um i need i need my sleep as well but yeah uh because of my control being so tight uh it got to a point where i was hypo unaware Uh, i didn't know that i was going low so Um, I would take, it, my sugar level would get so low that I would take what looks like an epileptic fit but I oh. don't have epilepsy. I, my body is just in a constant state of shaking that wow. when I was living at home, my brother had to sit on me as the ambulance people were coming in to try and, and um, bring me to, to A&E to, to make sure that I was okay. All right. In latter times, I have become hypo aware but last summer, I had three months of nocturnal hypos right. and you're probably wondering why did you suffer three months of nocturnal hypos? Because my background insulin, because we have two, two types of insulin, we have the short acting, yeah. which acts, you know, as you eat and then you have to have something in the background that when that short acting runs out, insulin still has to work for you in the background in order for cell renewal, for muscle um, healing, blinking, breathing, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. But my background insulin was working too quickly for me and wasn't working long enough for me. This was a 24 hour long acting insulin. So I would take it at seven o'clock in the evening. It would act and it would reduce my sugar level. So I would have to um, I would eat again if I had a late class um, I would eat about you know eight or half nine at night which is very late to eat but i, I yeah. need to eat to stop the you know to try and get before the nocturnal um hypo with would, would strike but sometimes i would miss that and because you're asleep you know you're asleep i check my sugar level you know it would be you know it'd be seven that's fine i'll leave it at seven but at two or three o'clock in the morning i would just shake yeah because i i'm my poor husband is kind of go emma you're 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 you need sugar. Hang on, I'll, I'll go get some orange juice for you, or get some sugar. So right. he would have to get up for me right. to do it, and that happened for three months. But because the sugar level was falling during the night, I couldn't. I couldn't adjust it. I was stuck because I needed to keep the sugar. I needed to keep my long acting as it was, um, because it was working for me for the first half of the day. But as it ran out around four o'clock, my sugar level would increase. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so The yeah. mats of that one. But if I if I reduced the background insulin, OK, would have stopped the nocturnal um, hypos marginally. But my sugar level would have went up into the 20s, mid 20s in the afternoon. Okay. So and I couldn't take it then
1: yeah. because
2: then my routine would be completely off. Anyway, so I the nocturnal hypos are not pleasant mm. and because you're you're um, completely asleep and completely unaware. Um, you, my, my, feet, my feet move. Right. Uh, my, I, I, it's like restless leg syndrome. Your legs oh, yeah, just constantly yeah, yeah. move. Uh, and uh, now I do actually wake up and then go, no, my legs are moving. I don't even have to take my uh, blood sugar, although I do. Um, mm-hmm. I try not to have any. I don't want to look at any screens in the in the bedroom because that's what's going to keep me awake longer.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I just know if my feet are moving, so no, that's not right. So I'll just take in uh, take sugar, and then um, I'll give it just a, a few more minutes until my you know, so I can actually lie still and not disturb my husband because he's probably still content <laughs> at the time. And then uh, I check it in the morning, and so it would be about five. So I knew then. My sugar level did go below
1: four during okay. the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's that's interesting. It's kind of, uh, I guess, it go, the thing again that comes back up. No matter how well you manage it, no matter how on top of it is, you just can't get complacent and think you, um, you know, you have it all figured out. You just keep, 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 uh, keep. Uh, tr- no, uh,
2: yeah, and that's and that's the challenging thing. Like I mean, like I said, like I control it rather than it yeah. controlled me. Like I mean, they'll always throw curveballs. They'll always do sure. that. But you can't, you can't. You'll never you'll never be ahead of it. It'll always be in the background. It'll always be there just to try and and catch it out, not on purpose. It's just life and how your body works. But again, complacency—you no, know—you can't be complacent. It's—it's it's just not—it's just not an option. And if you do, that's when everything's just going to slide, and then your wellness has just gone out the window. Yeah. And um, you've let it what win over you and let it consume you. Now, I'm not a competitive person in any way, shape, or form. It's not me that I'm winning against it. I'm yeah. not. I'm controlling it. I know it's there. It's never going to go away. I just need to kind of keep it in its in its small little box. Hmm. you just you know if you're gonna if a little bit kind of pops out of the, the lid that's fine i know how to do with that and then just kind of work away with my my own day so yeah. it doesn't doesn't take
1: over understood no that that's really interesting emma like I, I i think there's probably lots more stuff we could go into around the diabetes and that maybe when i put it out and what would be great when we share it out in that kind of diabetic community if if people liked it and they had other questions we could certainly maybe come back and talk more more about that because i don't think uh there's enough really out there probably about it and you know there's lots of people that don't maybe talk about it so um that that would be cool sure. just just to, to kind of wrap up on your own on your own business you're, you're six days a week working with with the, the yoga teaching at the moment is that right
2: yeah i have classes um i have public classes and I have private classes and I have corporate classes so I teach um preschool I teach teenagers I teach adults uh I teach pregnant women so I, I have a huge spectrum like a broad spectrum of people that I share yoga with it, you don't have to be uh you don't have to be fish you don't have you just if you just want to try and find how your body moves and just understand and it can be um, you can be in your sixties doing it or you can be four years old. Everyone under needs to understand or wants to understand how their body moves. And make it and make it a little bit of fun because if we make it too serious, it's kind of going, Oh no. Yeah. You just put it make it a little bit lighthearted. Sure. You know, that that makes it so much easier. And then we then once you kind of put a little bit of humor into it, you laugh and that's when you know, all right, yeah, I get it. It's not that serious. It's not that kind of, I have to move this and I have to do this and I have to inhale here and I have to breathe out here. Yeah. No, just just go with what you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, why, why not? Why not put your own stamp on it? Because sometimes things are too rigid and, and, and people follow other people too uh, clinically. So, yeah, definitely yeah. make it fun. Um,
2: and each day is different. Like, I always have a class plan mapped out myself. But... More often than not, i don't stick to that, and the simple reason is, like my practice is very different to other people's the teach, people that I teach, so the first thing that I ask them when i when we're about to begin the class, what do you want to work on because it's their class it's their yoga practice, yeah, so I have to it's not like I have to I want to get like allow them to get the full benefit Oh, the, I have a problem with my lower back or oh, my hips are really tight mm. um. Fine, let's work on that. I, or, because the class plan that I have already set out has got most of the stuff anyway that they're asking for. Somebody might throw a curveball in and say, well, can we do handstands? i went, like, yeah, no problem. Can we do headstands? Yeah. Can we do backbends? Yeah. yeah. I'm always a little bit trepidated about backbends. Back, my back doesn't like backbends, but I'll still teach them. If there's anything that I cannot do, I will not teach because right. that's when it gets into dangerous stuff. So sure. if I can't do it in my own practice, I won't teach it
1: okay it's a good rule to have and i'm just comparing what you say there so one of the things i do is coaching life coaching business coaching similar to what you said your mom does our yeah. kind of modus operandi or just focuses to be of service to our clients or our people that come to to help us we're there to help them and it, yeah. the parallel there with with what you're saying is that you're there to be of service to to your um paying clients as well so that's interesting I, you know that's good good to know I'll, I'll have one last selfish question my back right i have a, I have bulging discs or had and uh I got over that last year thankfully by doing a lot of physical work in, in the gym um you mm-hmm. know deadlifting and whatnot I know after this month when I've 31 five uh, k's ran in a row which probably isn't the best idea and uh, what's good simple ones just for a back or, or, or lower disc back because that's something that a lot of people suffer from especially taller people big time
2: yeah so it depends on where the where the disc has kind of slipped out so you can say herniated prolapse yeah. slipped you know there's different variations same thing mm-hmm. so it depends it would depend on which side if it's if it's bulging on both sides or it's bulging on one side right um, so, you have to be very mindful because the discs are very, very fragile. Um, yeah. And if the bulge is so far, it's going to hit off a nerve, yeah. and you might feel pain going down into your uh, into your lower yeah. leg, yeah. or not yeah. your lower, or your butt cheek and your leg. Yeah. So, you have to be very mindful of that. Sometimes back bends, sometimes forward bends um, would, would be. You know the way when you stretch up in the morning you arch your back? Yeah. Cuz again, just getting when you arch your back, what you're doing is that you're squeezing the adrenal glands in order to try and get the adrenaline to open and then you have the energy to get up. Right. As well as glycogen. Okay. So so sometimes back bends, just lifting the hearts. So if you're sitting still, so if you're just doing it now, just sitting, uh, feet on the floor, just lift the chest up towards the sitting. you're gonna feel the lower back start to contract because yeah. all the muscles are starting to pull down towards the sacrum, which is the lower back. And then when you press the belly button in, your abs are starting to support that. So it's not cause, it shouldn't cause too much pain, but you should feel the contraction. And then lower the chest and round the spine as if you're trying to bow your head towards your knees.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So then you're getting the, um, the, uh, the front of the spine and the back of the spine working. So you're okay. doing back bends to lift the heart and then you let the chest sink to round the body as if you're trying to bow your head towards your, your knees and the shoulders round forwards.
0: Mm-hmm. That
2: pose is called the cat-cow. Okay. In the seated pose, you can do it on all fours.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Lateral bending side to side, I would question because I'd need to understand where the, the disc is, is sure. misplaced. So sometimes leaning to one side, say the good side, say if you're leaning over towards your left, so you're opening that space on that right-hand side. But if the bulge is on the right and you're leaning towards that right side, it's going to constrict. So leaning leaning over to one side to probably be better in order to try and open the disc space but not into into the bulge
1: okay definitely give me some some insight i was actually doing those little poses there while you were talking uh, <laughs> kind of i've never i've never done a yoga pose on a podcast before um <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a market in this uh
2: maybe, maybe you, never you never know, know. but it, there's there's loads of factors like i mean i yeah. know with uh, runners um mm. the the hip flexors and that's part of the back muscle that leads in towards to to lift the knee so it does travel from the back to the front of the body runners the hip flexors are always tight that's what's going to pull in the lower back uh hamstrings tight hamstrings and they they kind of create this tug of war effect in your lower back that the hamstrings pull down. When you bend forwards, your back pulls up. So when the hamstrings are trying to pull down towards your knees, because that's what they're trying to do, they're support trying to support the, the base of the body. Right. And you're trying to bend forwards and you can't touch your toes because your hamstrings are really tight. Mm. Um there's, there's just going to be these arguments with your lower back muscles and your hamstrings. So bend the knees. So that creates the resistance from the um, the hamstrings and that allows the back muscles to stretch.
1: Okay, cool. And like r- r- just for for an average runner or somebody that does a lot of road running and that is trying to get into yoga, you know, once, twice, three times a week, what sort of would you recommend for for I would st- start
2: off once. Just right. start off once a week that's all that you need and when you're running um and i don't know i know some people uh some runners do a warm-up which is like a gentle run yeah and uh, they might do a little bit of, of stretching of the achilles and the calf muscles and leave the hamstrings out but there's other stuff that goes on as well that needs opening but uh, again i could do a whole class on that sure um uh it's just to, so you can try and get the muscle to respond, and there are there are poses that uh, you can do that actually cr- increases your stride. Um, yeah. It does actually make you know your time that little bit faster. It might be only about two or three, like one or two seconds, but mm. in running, if you're competing, that's a huge increase. Uh, you know when you're doing a pace, um, and you're you have. A companion that you want to, to kind of beat, or you're sure. training with this person, you know what their strengths are. If you're h- hitting a hill, or if you're hitting a downslope, or you're hitting cross country, if you're road running or whatever. Yeah. You know the terrains where your speed is going to be different. So if you're running cross-country or you're running on uneven terrains, your hip your hip muscles and your leg muscles are going to act differently as they would do on on the road because the road is much easier it's a much easier plane so you have to understand what muscles to that that work in the harder terrain and how they're they're much easier in the easier terrain
1: fascinating stuff uh as i said i think there's so much we could talk about and it'd be great if if we do maybe get back and if we do get questions in we could kind of address those in some sort of forum in the future time flies emma when we're we're talking about stuff that uh is important and and certainly your journey and your your life experience has been very interesting for me to hear this morning especially from okay. you know the diabetic perspective so thanks for for sharing that just to wrap up people can get in touch with you through a few different mediums do you want to give a shout yeah. out how they could um, do that
2: well, they can, they can contact me through my, my website, which is yogawithemma.ie. I have a Facebook page. Uh, just find uh, the Facebook page, Yoga With Emma. Or if you want the Facebook uh, address, which is facebook.com forward slash yoga with um, I'm on Twitter, uh, which is a little bit more complicated, but it's uh, at yoga underscore with underscore Emma and uh i'm also on instagram so uh again it's very simple yoga with emma okay yeah it's
1: hard to get the 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 same name across all of them
2: try quite hard so i'm kind of lucky that way to try and get them so
1: yeah very good thanks so much i hope you have a a great rest of day and i look forward to hearing some uh, feedback for uh for when we put this out.
2: Thanks a million, Rob. It's a pleasure.
1: How was that? Do you enjoy it? I hope so. If you did, please like, share and do all that other good stuff that only takes a second on social media but means an awful lot to me as it spreads the reach. You can get the details from the show in the show notes on the website robofthegreen.ie. In there you can share the show out with others i really just want to touch on three other quick things one feedback i learned so much from it without it i can't improve please give me a bit of feedback positive negative constructive would you recommend a book do you have any other ideas for guests how about more video let me know what you want and i can make it happen i will try that's number one number two sharing is caring this year i'm making more of an effort to try and expand the reach facebook there's a page and there's a group the one percent better community on facebook is where i really hope new listeners go to share ideas comments in general things that they could help others with that's what it's there for follow me on spreaker.com that's the new host I'm on twitter growing not exponentially at all but slowly so please follow there i'm on instagram all of these are at rob of the green linkedin rob o'donnell get in touch would love to hear from you number three is about support so i'm offering a few hours a month pro bono free coaching to those that can't afford it that need some coaching, that want some coaching. If you go to the website, the support page, click on the pro bono link. On the flip side of that, where you guys can support me, go to patreon.com, the Rob of the Green page. You can make a donation there. You can get access to exclusive content, which I'm adding all the time. That would be awesome. Anything you contribute will go back into the show to make it better, make it more than 1% better. Also, there's the option to buy one of those books that were recommended through the website, which will bring you to amazon which will get you the normal links which will get you the books at the normal price but supposedly amazon will give the show a small donation every time a book is purchased or anything for that matter which is great so finally i just wanted to say thanks so much for listening i know it's difficult to make improvements to push things forward to get outside your comfort zone i'm trying to do it all the time i hope that every listen and every show and every guest that is on gives you something to take away that you could apply adopt and adapt into your own life to create a new habit to make something better don't overreach small improvements one percent is enough and thank yourself for making the time to listen to the show it shows you're interested in learning improving and getting better even if it's just one percent at a time have a great day and good luck